Last week, uh, I mentioned that we were going to deal with uh, rapture stuff uh, in our class today. Uh, and we'll, we'll do the best we can with this. I did study this in school, however long ago that was, uh, and looked over it again more here. There are parts of this that, uh, to me, are confusing to explain because I find the belief itself confusing uh, when you get to a certain point. Uh, and we'll highlight those. Hopefully some of that confusion will come up as we're going through this, and you'll go, hey, what, what about this, or what about these things? Uh, I don't really believe that the book of Revelation teaches this, but this is where, Revelation is where people go to teach this, and so while we're here, uh, just kind of talking about uh, this, this sort of thing, it doesn't go against what we've been doing within the class of uh, equipping us to have the tools to understand Revelation better, which was the, the point of how I was wanting to teach this. Uh, but it doesn't really reinforce that necessarily. And this is more directly looking at an idea that is taken from the book and, dis uh, and discussing whether it should be that way or not, or whether it's right or not, and all that. Okay. Uh, I do have at the top of our page there, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4, and we'll read that uh, in just a moment. But Revelation 20 is the chapter. Uh, so if you do want to turn over there. We'll read a little bit more from that in just a bit. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received on its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years." Uh, we'll see that phrase a thousand years six times in Revelation 20, uh, and this is where this thousand-year reign teaching, which has the rapture within it, uh, though there's a little more to it than that, uh, that's where this comes from, Revelation chapter 20. Okay, uh, credit for the doctrine of the rapture is most often given to a 19th century theologian by the name of John Nelson Darby. Uh, and then you have an individual named Schofield. You've maybe heard of the Schofield Reference Bible. You might have one. Reference Bibles are not bad things, but uh, they can be, I think dangerous is a good word, uh, when you forget that it's a study Bible and some, some person of note normally uh, has done some work to kind of add uh, explanation to those things in the same way that I do that or you know, any other teacher, minister, whoever does those kinds of things. Uh, but because it's sitting within a Bible, sometimes we forget to turn on the be skeptical of this part uh, because it's sitting uh, in a book where we normally are not skeptical. Uh, and so uh, things that are presented there within various study guides or, or reference Bibles uh, can kind of just make their way in and go, well, of course that's what that means. Uh, those that are writing reference Bibles typically don't sit there and go, here's the six different takes that people give primarily for this, and just go through them. It's, 
here's what this means, and then yeah. they move on. Go ahead. Yeah. When you're talking about Schofield, are you relating that to premillennialism and, yes. and or the thousand year reign time? Yes, and we're going to talk Here's. about uh, pre-post and yeah. uh, all-millennialism yeah. <laughs> today as well, uh, here in just a little bit, uh, but yes. And uh, so you have uh, th that individual who's picking up this idea and putting it through there, and Schofield Reference Bible was uh, one that uh, was used uh, pretty heavily. Uh, and then, this is probably, if you weren't familiar with any of those, this is probably the one that you are familiar with. Uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins wrote a series of 12 books, the Left Behind book series in the, the 90s, uh, seven uh, of which became bestsellers, about 65 million copies sold between all 12 of those. There's at least two movies. I have seen neither. I think one of them is a, like, religious people made this movie, and the other one has Nick Cage in it. Uh, so if, if I were going to guess which one was probably more faithful to the belief idea, it would be those that hold that belief. <laughs> The one that's more entertaining is probably the one with Nick Cage in it, if I had to guess. Uh, just a chaotic movie, I bet. Anyway, a couple movies, several books, all of this, and for a lot of people that, I mean, during this time especially, uh, that the belief just kind of exploded for a lot of others. You don't really hear people talking about the books really anymore, uh, but that doesn't mean that the belief has gone away. Uh, instead, the belief is more of a accepted thing, and we just go on. Uh, and in a lot of places, and I mention, I'll mention community churches, but that's not where this stuff comes from. Uh, it's uh, within, within Baptist circles, other groups, things like that. Uh, within Church of Christ people as well uh, will hold to the rapture and stuff too, part of why we're talking about it. Uh, you, you have those kinds of things. Community churches and other groups like that just tend to take things like typically from the Baptist group uh, and others that are kind of mainline and all that and just take it and run with it. Just put a different kind of face on those things. This is normally how that goes. Uh, and so you've had rapture doctrine within those places and it just gets carried over and it's just kind of accepted uh, as this is how that works it's a thing that happens and let's move on uh, not really much much debate about it the debate tends to come in about uh, the view of the actual thousand years uh, and we're kind of talking about two things today We'll make the distinction here in just a moment. Uh, so today we're going to walk through the doctrine of the rapture, what it supposedly is, uh, the uh, arguments for it. Revelation 20 is part of the main source of it, though they would reference other places in Revelation as well as Daniel. Uh, they reference various places in there to talk about it. Uh, we'll try to understand a little bit about what's actually going on here. But before we can do that, uh, we have to talk about... Premillennialism, postmillennialism, uh, amillennialism. Uh, we'll we'll talk about those three things here in the next section. Uh, the the belief about the rapture is contained in something called premillennialism. So it's uh, it's a sub belief. 
So if you are a premillennial person, might believe in the, the rapture. It's going to come with it. Uh, and even there, and we'll talk about this in a moment, even if you believe in the rapture, you might believe in uh, a what's called a pre-tribulation <coughs> rapture or a post-tribulation <coughs> rapture. So there's, there's a lot of uh, subdivisions with all of this sort of stuff. But premillennialism is the place where rapture, uh, the rapture is held. It's the belief system in which it's held. So let's talk about that. Uh, Revelation 20 mentions the phrase thousand years six times. Uh, for a Bible student, the question comes to us. Uh, are we living before that thousand year reign? Are we living during that thousand year reign? Are we, is, are, are we living after that thousand year reign? Uh, and then there might be some other questions like, are we talking about a literal 1,000 years? Are we talking about a symbolic thousand years? What's the deal here with all of this? Uh, all of those questions uh, and more, I guess, will be answered here in the next, uh, next section, I hope. Okay, so before, this is premillennialism. Uh, that's, that's all that means. Pre-millennium. So before the thousand year reign, that's what that means. It's the belief that Jesus will physically return to the earth before the thousand year reign. Suggests that there are still unfulfilled prophecies to Israel, namely uh, the land promise made to Abraham. Uh, and Deuteronomy 34 lists the, uh, the boundary points uh, of the land. Uh, and the promise made to King David about David's son being established forever. Solomon is established as king, David's son, but he's not king forever. And it's not that they wouldn't say Jesus isn't that person. Uh, they would, but he's not, he's not reigning yet, would be the implication of all of this. Okay, uh, the literal physical rule of Christ for a thousand years in Revelation 20 uh, fulfills these promises because he will be physically reigning on the throne of David in Jerusalem. So Israel will have its uh, have the territory that it was assigned uh, in Deuteronomy 34, the land that God promised to them. He's going to fulfill the land promise, uh, and he's going to fulfill the king promise by Jesus physically ruling there uh, for this thousand years. That's the belief. Uh, and this has two views associated with it, post-tribulation, pre-tribulation. We'll talk about that. Uh, on the next page when we get to that chart. Uh, let's pause here, even though you don't have a question on the paper. Questions or comments uh, about premillennialism stuff? Go ahead, Ryan's excited. <laughs> uh, I would just, if anybody wonders why it is that everybody around in this country in the West world gets so worked up about stuff going on in Israel, this is why. Yes. And even though they may not know exactly why, this is one of the primary reasons people see it as signs of an end time, and they see it as the, the beginning of uh, the, you know, Christ's second coming and things like that, because, and that's why we should support it, because right. it's a, we're, we're helping usher in uh, the, the thousand year reign for a lot of people, where a lot of that comes from. There you go, which is extremely relevant uh, a lot of different times, but especially right now, uh, that, that is where that comes from, of, uh, Regardless of how you feel about it politically, all this stuff, it's biblically the land belongs to, and that's important because of this thing right here. Uh, and so when we talk about an accepted belief, uh, that this is what this is what happens from that. That has beliefs have real world implications, as they should. 
the things that we believe about God and his word should affect the way that we live. That is a tremendous example. This is a tremendous example of, of this actually occurring uh, because God still needs to fulfill this promise to Israel about the land and about the kingship. That's, that's what the belief holds. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I believe that anyway. But I'm saying that's what the belief suggests. Okay, any, any other thoughts, questions about premillennialism thus far? Well, there's also the tie to reestablishing the temple, and so that's another, yes. another aspect of it. So we will talk about the temple as well uh, in the ending <clears throat> chapters of Revelation. Uh, but there's, so with, with temple, as well as with the thousand years, uh, because, did I, did I actually write that here? I think, yes, the literal physical rule of Christ for a thousand years. Uh, the thousand years here is seen as a, an actual number, uh, that it will be a thousand year period of time uh, that this takes place. And again, we'll see a chart here in a moment when we deal with rapture stuff, we'll get, we'll get a little more into it. Uh, so we have the tension that we've seen throughout Revelation already of, is this a literal thing or a symbolic thing? Are there literal things in Revelation? Yes. Are there symbolic things in Revelation? Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's both of those things, uh, and that's the case in several books. Jesus uses language that is symbolic in Matthew, but we would not say that Matthew has a lot of symbolism in it. Uh, it's mostly a literal book of walking through things. Uh, so that happens, happens all over the place uh, throughout the Bible. This is a case of, for a literal 1,000 years, because that's what Revelation 20 says, 1,000 years, six times. Uh, for a literal 1,000 years, uh, Jesus is going to physically return to the earth, sit on the throne, uh, the, the temple be rebuilt, it's going to be in, in Israel, because that's what God promised, and he still needs to keep that promise. That's that belief. Okay, and it's within that framework that the rapture exists. There's two others. Okay, uh, then you have uh, that we are living during the thousand-year reign. Uh, this would obviously mean that the thousand-year reign is not literal uh, if we're living during that time. We'll talk about why. Uh, this is referred to as amillennialism or amillennialism. The A is just basically, <laughs> that, that letter means we reject this idea of uh, a literal millennium, uh, millennium reign and all this sort of stuff. Uh, that's not a literal thousand years. Uh, it's the belief that the thousand years are not literal, but rather a symbolic number, which we do see, and I put a few references there, uh, specifically where a thousand is used in a symbolic way. Um, it's not the only number that's used like that. It's not that it can't be literal. It's that it, it, it's often used non-literally. Uh, and that we are currently, top of page two, that we are currently living in the reign of Christ in the church. Uh, and so it wouldn't, it's not a literal thousand years from the beginning of the church through now. Like this, this was always uh, God's plan, which is kind of another part of premillennialism. It suggests that uh, church is kind of a backup thing, but we'll talk about that in a moment too. Um, that uh, Christ is reigning now within his church, and when Christ returns, it will be for that final judgment. Uh, and then we'll go on into uh, a permanent reign, not any temporary thing, but a permanent reign in uh, new heaven and new earth, which is the phrase that we see somewhere else 
because I, I forgot that's our homework assignment <laughs> at the end of this, so I won't say where. Uh, but we see in other places, but we see at the end of Revelation. Uh, and so that's the idea, that we're currently living in the, the reign of Jesus within his kingdom now uh, as the church. Uh, and when Christ comes back, it's for final judgment. So there's that. Uh, this, this is the one that you can put me in. This is the category you can stick me in. Uh, as far as that goes. Okay, uh, and then you have post-millennialism, which is we're living after the thousand-year reign. Uh, referred to as post-millennialism is the belief that the kingdom of Jesus is extended through the preaching of the gospel, ultimately culminating in more and more Christians on the earth until we reach uh, this kind of majority stand. Uh, after Christianity dominates the globe for a while, some amount of time, uh, Jesus will return. Uh, this view differs from the other two in that it avoids Jesus needing to have some kind of violent entry into the world against sin. You know, like the, the fire and most of the stuff that we read in Revelation, which, anyway, uh, most of those things. Uh, it avoids that. Instead, he doesn't need to come and impose righteousness, but rather uh, just come get his righteous majority uh, on the world here. So it's just... The, the world will become increasingly more righteous, uh, and Jesus will come back to that. However, uh, you do still have our, our resurrection uh, of that. General resurrection means not just of the righteous, but uh, good and bad. Uh, destruction of the present creation, like Second uh, Peter 3 discusses. Uh, and the phrase, new heavens, new earth, also implies uh, and entry into an eternal state here. So you have Jesus coming back to a righteous world, but then we have all the other stuff that people typically believe. New heavens, new earth, uh, destruction of this one, uh, and then everlasting life, resurrection, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Yes? Yes. How did they uh, align Jesus' teaching with the, you know, wide road, or wide gate, narrow gate, you know, view enter, you know, find... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Versus the religious majority, you call it. Yes, uh, so the, the, I don't know about that verse specifically, like how they would square that, but the idea is that through the church being the church, sharing the gospel and all of this, that... Uh, more and more will become saved that way. Like that's that's the idea, um, which isn't in and of itself a uh, a bad idea. Uh, the gospel does change people and brings people and all of this. It's the idea of uh, is the majority of the creation going to reach a righteous point, or is the majority going to reject those kind of ideals of righteousness. That's kind of where that tension sits. There's some good discussion, I think, to be had about that, uh, but not today, unless we have time, I guess. Okay, let's look at the color chart. You'll notice there are four, uh, because premillennialism gets uh, broken up into two pieces. The, the post-tribulation and the pre-tribulation stuff uh, so we'll, we'll mention that. It's in pre-tribulation that you have rapture. 
Okay, so it's a it's you have to have premillennialism, and then that gets divided into a couple groups at least, uh, a couple groups, and then it's in the the pre-tribulation uh, view uh, of premillennialism that you get the rapture, and I I don't know that a lot of people know that whenever they go into the rapture idea, they just hear the rapture part uh, because it, it's not that premillennialism has been popularized. The rapture idea has been popularized, but you have to take what that comes in, which is premillennialism, all these other beliefs, and all of that stuff. Okay, uh, so if we just look at the, the chart there on the left side where the cross is, it's the first coming of Jesus, uh, and then we go down this timeline for the different views. On the right side, you end with eternity there. That's Those are the two thoughts. Go ahead. Interesting fact. Okay. During advertisement for football games going on, everything, this very quick clip came in there from a religious group showing people huffing and going away for the rapture. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was totally shocked by that. I mean, right there in the middle of, of all the other stuff, yeah. I, was, I was shocked that, that came up. That yeah. I thought... Yeah. I thought it was kind of... It's, it's not as widely discussed. It's just accepted. Like it's existed long enough for a lot of people that it's just understood. This when is how that? it works. When was that, Doug? Huh? When was that? That was... Uh, Years ago? No, that was during... The, probably on Saturday. Or might, might have been on another... Another day, a football game was going on. The recent, like this year? Yeah, yeah this year. We're talking, there. we're talking last week or so. <laughs> um, uh, another, this this is a fun fact that doesn't matter, but it's funny. It's a funny fun fact. Um, one of the, we had a couple instructors at school that were on camera because they didn't live in Colorado. They were teaching from somewhere else. Uh, and I guess the teacher walked away to go on break or something like that. And a few of the students grabbed uh, suits from the clothing room that we had at the school and set them on the chair. Uh, and <laughs> half of them were raptured away and the others were... Uh, anyway, it's just accepted uh, as this kind of belief in all of this stuff. So let's go through it. Rapture is only contained within one of these frameworks. But if you're going to accept the rapture, and again, I don't think most people know this. I, I, I don't think most people could articulate everything else <coughs> with it, other than at some point the good people are going to be taken away, raptured away, and then, and that may be all they know about it. Uh, and then eventually Jesus is going to come back and, and do all this. Okay. Let's look at the charts. Left side, first coming of Jesus. Right side, eternity. Post-tribulation, premillennialism, tribulation being, you know, this time of trial and uh, wrath and all of these sorts of things. So you have under number one, or on number one there, post-tribulation premillennialism, you have at some point a tribulation, then you have the second coming of Christ, then you have the thousand-year reign, because Jesus has returned to the earth here under premillennialism, thousand-year reign, and then you have the, the final judgment that takes place with all of this. That's how that would be described. Okay, on uh, number two there, uh, you have the second coming, which is for the church, 
Okay, why why do we come? Why does Jesus come and grab the church to rapture them away? Because he's got to deal with some stuff with Israel. So part of this teaching with the rapture is that it separates uh, the Israel from the Old Testament still continues to exist in that kind of form, and God has promises he made to them that he still needs to fulfill. But you also have the church that gets added into all of this, who are also God's people, but in a different kind of way. Uh, and so God is going, Jesus is going to come and get, uh, we'll say the new people, the, the church, the new people that belong to him. He's going to take them away. And then God's going to deal with uh, the, the promises made to Israel during this time of tribulation down here. And then he'll come back with the saints having, uh, he'll come back with the saints here. And it says second coming with church. And then the church, as well as Israel, who is now going to have these promises fulfilled, they have their land, and Jesus is going to come sit on the throne. Then you get the thousand years. Then you get a last judgment. If that brings up more questions, fantastic. We'll look at it more in just a moment. Postmillennialism is <laughs> just, I mean, the timeline is funny for this. At some point, thousand-year reign, then last judgment. There you go. So Jesus is going to come here. Uh, that, that sort of idea, thousand years, judgment. Here we go. Uh, and then number four, we're living within the reign of Christ right now. It's not a literal thousand years, but that for a long period of time, uh, Jesus is reigning uh, from heaven until we get to this uh, second coming and the last judgment here and all of this. Okay, questions about the chart? We get another chart. This one's not in color. Uh, and I made it in school, <laughs> like 12 years ago. So you can see what that looks like in my notes. Okay, here's the summary, top of page three. These four categories, when you separate pre- and post-tribulation premillennialism, uh, are the four views of end times held by Christians today. I am sure that there are other views. These are the four prominent ones. Uh, it is in the pre-tribulation, premillennialism view that we get the rapture doctrine. Uh, and for f added fun, try to say pre-tribulation, premillennialism three times fast. Seven times fast. Let's use, let's use a good number. Six, <laughs> times, six times fast. Uh, okay, let's talk about the rapture. Here we go. Okay, the rapture specifically is an event that takes place within uh, this view of premillennialism. Uh, where you have uh, pre-tribulation. So there is a time period of seven years where Jesus needs to come back for the church, not Israel, because promises to Israel are unfulfilled. So he's got to come back, get uh, the saved in the church, keep them away from all this stuff for seven years uh, while all this bad stuff's going on. And about midway through that, it gets really bad with uh, the beast and all of this. We'll come to that. Uh, and then after that seven years, Jesus will come back with the church. Hey, we have the land that was promised to Israel. The temple's here. Jesus is going to literally sit on the throne for that thousand years. And then, and this is part of Revelation 20, uh, eventually we have to have like the full defeat of Satan here because Satan's bound for these thousand years and then he's uh, allowed to be loose for uh, a time. So that's why you end up with last judgment still. So uh, under the, uh, I guess this is still on the chart on two there. During that time of millennium, 
that's where Satan is bound. That doesn't mean he can't do anything. It means he's limited in what he can do. Uh, that he's bound, but at the end of all of that, there is a, a loosing time uh, where he's able to do more. And then here's this final judgment and all of that. So you have to have, you, you have to fit all that in somehow. And so the fitting in with the rapture is church gets taken away. They're protected from this seven years of tribulation. They come back thousand-year reign in Israel, Jesus on the throne physically, all this sort of stuff, all those promises fulfilled. Then Satan gets loosed, and we have this whole, what would be a time of trial again for however long, because Satan's free, and you've got bad and good stuff going on and fighting against each other, and then last judgment. Okay, self-explanatory. Okay, uh, the rapture is defined as, and this is, According to a website called the Gospel Coalition, which is not Church of Christ, just giving you that disclaimer. Um, good definition, though. The eschatological event, that means end times event, of both dead and living believers being caught up together in a moment in the twinkling of an eye to meet Jesus in the air, which is Paul's language in 1 Thessalonians 4 uh, and 1 Corinthians 15. You have these ideas. It's not that those are bad ideas. Uh, it's that they're being taken and stuck with a certain set of beliefs. Uh, so instead of being viewed within their own uh, context, they're, they're getting shoved into an idea. Just the wrong way to study the Bible. Don't go to Bible study with an agenda. You go to it uh, try to understand what the agenda of the writer was, what God is trying to do through the author. Anyway, uh, but we do have these ideas of meeting Jesus in the air, a moment, twinkling of an eye, all that sort of stuff. Dead and living believers being caught up, all that. In fact, the word caught up is where rapture is ultimately going to come from. Uh, the Latin translation, the Latin Vulgate uh, of the New Testament, the word that's used there uh, is where we get rapture from. It's translating the Greek word caught up. So when it talks about being caught up into the air, that, that's what rapture is. So... Just gone. Jesus has come to grab you uh, and take you with him. Seven years. There we go. Uh, this is also in Matthew 24, and maybe I should read that. Uh, the idea comes from Matthew 24, at least, or is used to support, because Revelation 20 is still the big section. Uh, he's talking about no one knows the day or the hour, the coming of the Son of Man there. This is starting in verse 36. Um, yeah, and then starting in verse 40 there. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Okay, this idea of, uh, that's, that's why you have these images of, you know, just some people are gone. You know, half, half the room is gone and half of us are left because that's, that's what Jesus describes in Matthew 24. That's the idea that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4. That's, uh, that's, that's what that is. That's where, where that idea comes from. That's all rapture means. Okay. Uh, consulting your, your new chart here, looking specifically at rapture and when it occurs, uh, we have Pentecost at Acts 2 uh, with the church and all of this. So the church in its existence to this point whenever it comes that the revelation or that the rapture happens uh, and then you have a resurrection that takes place here of the dead the dead and living believers are taken up then while we're raptured away you get this seven-year tribulation 
and there's a three and a half year mark in between it, that's not just noting, hey, here's halfway. Uh, that number is significant. We've talked about seven. We're kind of getting into a thousand a little bit here with some references. Three and a half is significant as well. We'll come to that in just a moment. Uh, after the seven years, he comes back with his saints. Uh, we have the uh, the Battle of Armageddon. We also have a resurrection, again, of the tribulated saints, so those that became faithful during this time of the seven-year tribulation and were killed, uh, they get resurrected to be a part of the thousand-year reign on earth. Uh, and then we have Satan being loose after that for some amount of time, and then we have what is called the second resurrection, which if you're keeping track at home, is the third resurrection on this timeline, but it's called the second one. Uh, and then we have judgment and your eternal place and all of this. Okay. Thoughts? I hope it's not all that complicated. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's a lot. You would think that the chart would be provided in the Bible for us, uh, but it is not. Uh, okay. The rapture ushers in a seven-year period of tribulation. This comes from... Uh, this comes from uh, Daniel chapter 9 as an explanation as to the final of the 70 weeks. They take 70 symbolically, by the way. We, not the thousand years, but the 70 is symbolic, but whatever. Uh, so we have 70 weeks that are symbolic. There's a week that's, uh, that's left, that's remaining. This is that one week which is seven days. We know how long a week is, seven days. Well, it's symbolically seven years. That's why you have a seven-year tribulation. Anyway, that's where that comes from. That's in Daniel 9. Uh, it talks about the 70 weeks. Are the 70 weeks relevant to what we're talking about in Revelation? Yeah, I, I think so, but not this way. Uh, and just noting, we have a number here that's, well, this is a symbolic 70. It's a symbolic 7. And it helps explain this literal thousand that we're going to... That's, that's where you start to get into some things of uh, that's not very consistent. So is it the person who's not being consistent? Is it uh, authorship not being consistent? Uh, is it that we should be careful when we look at two different books? Even though, Daniel, uh, even though John reaches into Daniel a lot to explain Revelation, um, should we be careful when studying two entirely different authors? Uh, and comparing those things, uh, that, that part's definitely true. And when you study Bible stuff, stick with the author and his own work first, um, and then, you know, be careful when you switch authors. Because different writers use the same words in different ways. They might use the same number in different ways. You have to be careful with that. Anyway, uh, Daniel 9 is key to some of this here. Uh, and that's where the 7 comes from. There's a week remaining within the 70 weeks. And that week is actually seven years, and that's where we have this tribulation, where in Daniel's prophesying, and we've talked about this, this, uh, this fourth beast, uh, the visions that he has, this is when that stuff is taking place, uh, and so that's what they would suggest is happening here. Okay, why the three and a half year mark? Well, because of something that's mentioned in Daniel a few times, uh, but also something that's mentioned in Revelation 12. And this was on our paper last week. I told you that we'd talk about it today. So let's talk about it. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. And I did not put the 
reference, which is annoying. 14. Thank you. Uh, verse 14. When the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. That phrase, time, times, and half a time does show up in Daniel uh, more than once, I think. Yeah, more than once for sure. Um, uh, times, times, and half a time. Here is how we get... That's, that's where three and a half comes from. Why? Well... The explanations at the bottom of page three. Time would be one. <coughs> times then would be two. And half of a time is one half. So you end up with three and a half. Right in the middle of a seven year thing. It makes sense. Three and a half is half of seven. So that's good. Uh, so when we hit the three and a half year mark, that's where we get uh, the beast getting to do more of its thing. Cause problems it's on the top of page four. Uh, the beast in Revelation 11 and 13, because this is all dealing with one thing uh, through these chapters in Revelation. Uh, three and a half years, you want to break that down into months, we get 42 months, which is described in those two chapters. See all the, all the numbers working together here. So that's, that's where this idea comes from. Uh, and so you have at the three and a half year mark, you know, if you thought the tribulation was bad... <coughs> It gets way worse about midway through. Uh, the beast is going to do the things that it's going to do, uh, cause a lot of problems, not be so good uh, on the earth. Uh, isn't it nice to be raptured away from all of those things? That's, that's where that, that is. Uh, the tribulation is when hum humanity reaches its worst point. Okay, We've taken all the good people away. Uh, some people will be converted within the tribulation, but we took all the, the dead and living uh, believers within the church out of here. Uh, and so you have people that were not believers left behind living in a world that looks like what you would think sinful living is going to lead to. Uh, it, it might be helpful to think of the tribulation time period as a sort of purgatory, which my understanding is that's not even taught anymore uh, among Catholic circles. But Purgatory was a post-death thing uh, where you could work your way. Uh, you, you would realize that, oh, my life was not good enough or I have sins unaccounted for and things like that. And so you had this time of that's okay. You can still get it right and work your way out of this. Tribulation's kind of like that. Well, I was wrong because my buddy got raptured away. I guess he was right. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm left behind here, but I know that and can change. It's going to be really hard to change because you've got evil happening all over and it's going to be particularly difficult uh, against those that are saints, but it'll only be seven years long. So, you know, if you, you have people that will end up being converted there, realize that they were in the wrong, come to the right side of things. And if they die, that's okay, because at the end of the tribulation, they get resurrected for this thousand year reign. And then also there's this time period after the thousand year reign where another battle happens, but if they remain righteous, heaven, and all that. Okay. When I ask you if you have questions here in a second, I hope that you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, after this, after uh, the tribulation here, uh, Israel finally receives Jesus as the Messiah, and the great thousand-year reign begins. Following this, we will have a battle against Satan and his forces. Satan will ultimately be defeated. Then everyone will go to their eternal place, either with Jesus or away from him. Any thoughts that come up as we 
just I mean that that's encapsulating the idea. Out of all the things that we've said, things with rapture. You want me to highlight problems with rapture? <laughs> <laughs> the number one hundred forty-four thousand. Is it? Yes, uh, it's something that we need to talk about, but not today. I'm not well. I'm not sure I'm well equipped enough today to do so. Um, but as far as that's dealing with uh, believers, things like that, it's a good number and relevant to the next couple of lessons. Okay. Uh, do we have a problem with this idea of uh, people converting during the tribulation, becoming righteous and all of this, reigning with Jesus, but then... There's this opportunity to, so they get an opportunity to get it right, but they also get an opportunity to fall away again after reigning with Jesus for a thousand years. Is that potentially an issue? <laughs> it's a little weird uh, that that's how that'll work, but that's the suggestion uh, from this belief system. Um, you also end up with a problem of, uh, you would have Jesus coming back for the final judgment. So Jesus has come here, has gone away. He's going to come back to get his, and then come back to sit on the, uh, take them away and come back to sit on the throne. He's going to be gone again. Satan will be defeated. He's going to come back for the last judgment. Uh, so how many times, Jesus didn't say, uh, I'll return uh, for a little bit, like a, like a, a visit uh, for a while, and just real quick, and we'll be gone, and then I'll come back, and then I'll be here for a while, and then I'll be gone, and then we'll do this thing for eternity. Like he's extending his stay each time uh, that he comes back. That's that's a hard thing to fit in to what the rest of the Bible teaches about all of this sort of stuff. Um, even when when you have when you start to form a belief system on the basis of numbers alone, which is what starts happening here. Uh, is that you have the seven, and that's from the 70 weeks, and you have the three and a half, which is these 42 uh, months and all of this. When you start to have an entire system built on numbers, are they literal, are they symbolic, uh, from multiple different authors, uh, you start to get in a, in a headspace where, and it looks like some of us are this morning, of uh, what do I even say like to these things, yeah, exactly. When you when you get into something that that is that uh, confusing of here's how we get to this number and here's what that number means and it's connected to that other number over here which also goes with this number, it gets hard to argue that because it's coming from all over and you can't just necessarily point to something and go, yeah, it sure seems that it's actually just this. <laughs> uh, when you have a belief based on things like that. Uh, becomes a little harder to sit with. We might have more questions. Here's here's what we'll do, because we have two weeks left. Uh, we'll we'll have a lot to say about heaven uh, in those two weeks. But think about questions that maybe come up over the course of this week, because a lot of people do believe this. Um, think about questions you might have with this throughout the week. We'll start with that next Sunday morning and go over those things. Okay. Also, look up new heavens, new earth. Where else is it used outside of Revelation? We'll talk about that Sunday too. Thanks everybody.